0: Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. You are listening to episode 36, midweek series number 17. I am Peter Thompson. I'm here with my co-host, Lambros Sirmos. We've got no Audi today, but we are joined by a very special guest, Greg Gavalas. Greg, thank you so much for coming on again. Greg made an appearance with us a while back. He's an Ike supporter and a contributor for LS Football. Greg, thank you for joining us. How are you doing?
1: Very good. Uh, Pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, of course. The pleasure is all ours. We're going to get into the derby between Olympiacos and Ike, which takes place on Wednesday, December 16th, our time. I think it might be Thursday for you out in Australia or any of our Australian listeners, but either way... You're probably listening to this a few hours before the game. So, we're going to preview that. And we're also going to ask Greg about his thoughts on the season for Ike so far with both Europa League group stage and Super League. Before we get into that, we do have some housekeeping to get into. Our next episode will feature Michael Vicini. It's almost finally here. Hashtag rant day. We are very excited. We will be posting on social media to allow the audience to contribute topics they would like the host to talk about, particularly Lambro and Michael, because we know how animated and fun they can be once they really get rolling. I think Larissa relegation and potentially some of the stuff about Pao Canaris we're going to bring up will be the headlines, but who knows what could happen in the meantime. We are very excited for that one. On Thursday, December 24th, we will be joined by L.S. football correspondent Apostolos Caradonis who covers some of the youth prospects for Greece. He will provide some insight on names that you will need to know for the future, looking at the U-19s and whatnot. On December 28th, we will release our Boozin' with the Boys episode. It's going to be a little different from our usual ones, a bit more off the cuff. If you would like to be a part of this episode, you actually can come in and ask us a question live. We will put the Zoom link on our Twitter account, at Gate7INTL at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Sunday, the 27th, which is when we'll be recording. And we will be joined by our good friend, George Haralampopoulos, who you can follow on Twitter, at Life of George C. So come on, ask us a question. It's going to be a little bit more off the cuff, maybe a little bit less professional, but it should be a fun time for everybody involved, and we look forward to filming that one. Adi and I will be releasing our Stats analytics episode. I know I've been teasing it forever. Hopefully it gets done this week. I'm thinking maybe towards the end of this week, we can get it out. This means that there's still time for you to ask any questions on our social media accounts at gate7intl on everything. So feel free to do that if you like, and we will try to give some feedback about, you know, the way we define things and looking at some of the analytics that we use. We would also like to say thank you to our sponsor, Piraeus International Incorporated. Piraeus International has been importing and exporting cargo for companies and individuals for over 40 years. They can assist you in importing olive oil, marble, or any other goodies from Greece. They can also assist in exporting, whether you have one box or a full household of items that need to be sent over. Check them out at piraeusintl.com and give them a call at 410-675-4696. One very sad, point of news to report on is related to Olympiacos striker Ahmed Hassan. We had reported that he is suffering complications from coronavirus due to myocarditis and would be out until at least the new year. Unfortunately, it's looking like it may be even worse than that. A report from Sport365 has said that there is a possibility he will actually never play football again due to these complications. So it's obviously hard to tell what will happen. It's all just speculation, but we wish Hassan the best right now and, and thoughts and prayers to him and his family and friends.
2: Yeah, I also read that he flew out to see a heart specialist in Portugal, so they're trying to figure out what, what is going on with him. So hopefully he's okay. It's just sad to hear because he's a player who is love or hate. You know, he's still a good guy. You know, he hope, hope he recovers and is able to play again.
0: Totally agree. We hope the best for him, and it's obviously very scary so hopefully everybody is staying safe in this very troubling time the Europa League draw did happen of course Olympiakos are the only Greek team that's still playing European football Uh, we talked on our previous episodes about how this Olympiakos team is not really fit to make it past the round of 32 right now but we did draw PSV Eindhoven which is potentially one of the better draws that we could have hoped for obviously some changes will still be needed of course PSV lost to Pauk 4-1 with a few players out and then beat Pauk 3-2 in a game that Pauk had the lead for a majority of. So they competed with PAOK, who, you know, aren't as high up on the table as Olympiacos right now. So maybe there's some hope that we can get past them, but I think still some changes are going to be required. So for that, we will provide more analysis on PSV as the game gets closer. Those fixtures are scheduled for, I believe, February 18th and 25th. So Thursday night football for Olympiacos, at least two games of that. There is some news that is come up regarding the Pauk-Adis game that took place this Sunday. For those who don't recall, it was a 1-0 victory to Adis in Thessaloniki, big derby in the north of Greece. And there have been all sorts of accusations that have been flying around, especially this morning and the last couple of days. And Ambro. what do you have for us?
2: Okay, everyone. So I made note of kind of the situation Pauk made a statement after the game about the refs being corrupt, a lot of information like that. Actually, later in the evening, former Olympiakos player and U21 national team Greek goalkeeper Marios Sabanis, I think his name is, came out and announced that he was attempted to be bribed by what seems to be PAOK officials, I believe. It could be other officials. So there's multiple elements the scandal and one now Olympiakos is a part of, and Olympiakos and Aris have have essentially bribed the foreign refs in Kladenberg, according to Pauk. Kladenberg has a job at Nottingham Forest, Pauk said in their original statement, which doesn't really make sense because Kladenberg these days is retired from refing and he's more of like a ref consultant and makes big money from the Middle East and now from the Greek Refing Association. So to get into the Sabanis part, after the Aris-Pauk game, news came out that Sabanis had been approached. Again, unclear who this is. Maybe it's a Pauk government. We We don't know. That he was bribed to let in a few goals against Pauk. So Sabanis sat down with prosecutors in northern Greece and in Salonika, and the case has begun. So Pauk has come out and said it's all BS, Sabanis is an Olympiakos mouthpiece, and it's an attempt to ruin Pauk again, like the Xandi situation. Again, these are kind of rough generalizations of what there's been statements going back all afternoon, all evening now here in Greece. The problem here for me right away is Sabanis is starter and captain of the Greek U21 national team. He's a starter for Aris, and doing this is really risky. That when, I, when I'm looking back on this, like he needs to have evidence because his future and his career are at stake now. He has sat down under sworn testimony and spoken to a prosecutor and filed this complaint. There's now words coming out that Sabanis is receiving death threats on his life and his family's life. Just a, a thought. Sabanis too is from Salonica. Remember everyone. He grew up in the PAOK academy before leaving last year to Olympiakos. And again, the city's predominantly PAOK. He now plays for Aris in Salonika. It's a tough situation for the kid. You know, walking around the streets, it's death threats on your head. It's difficult. So here we go. Olympiakos gets involved. Olympiakos has released a statement tonight, underlining the fact they have nothing to do with this problem and that they want a fair and clean investigation into the probe. The team points out that Pauk did not deny the bribery accusation. So I looked back at the statement. They actually did not actually deny the bribery accusation. They did so in their latest one, but they did mention that. And they essentially made clear that the statement that they wanted to send was just to see, hey, what what happened to Sabanis? Like, we let, let's just get a trial. And so now Pauk has come back again. Another statement, and I think we're going to get more and more and they have essentially said that they want to get rid of the parasites of Greek football and Olympiacos and that we're bringing the league down. And they said they're going to be introducing defamation and other lawsuits against Aris, Olympiacos and Sabanis. And overall, just embarrassing stuff, you know, like I thought these scandals were behind us with Xanthi and now we're back in the mud, with everyone going back for it. A kid is having his life threatened, and it highlights to you again, why would anyone come to this country to play football I don't know what you guys think about this, but it's just sad. Like, no matter what the investigation shows, it's just bad for Greek football, I guess. I don't know. Greg, what do you think after reading those? I know you were sleeping, so you didn't see all the statements, but.
1: Um, so that's, that's huge that Sambanis has come out and said this. Um, that's, that's massive. Uh, can I just confirm? Has Bulk accused the match officials of the Aris game of being corrupt?
2: Yeah, so they came out with a statement. I, I don't know if they could accuse the Dutch. Guy of being corrupt, but they accused Mark Kladenberg of. I think right. the direct quote was, "He will be sitting on the Nottingham Forest bench." So it was kind of like yes. one of those things, like he's been paid off by Olympiakos. I think is like what they were hinting at, but okay. there's so, an element of like corruption that they were hinting at. Cool. Like-
1: well, that part doesn't totally surprise me because of the culture and what it's doing to Greek football, as you mentioned. Who would want to come? To this league and a, and a decent player. A decent player is going to come to the big clubs but you know, every time they lose, something like this happens and Bulk's form lately in regards to things like this hasn't been great. Um, the, the fact that sambanis has come out and accused the Bulk officials is, it's huge. That's massive. That hasn't, that hasn't happened in a long time so I'm quite surprised with that and as you said um, I hope the kid's going to be okay because um, that's a big move to do into Thessaloniki. If there's and if there's ground to it, he's going to definitely need to have proof and some some decent backing in regards to that. Um, but as for the culture, this has just been around for forever. You know, the big club, you know, someone who's loses a the derby, they are a bit controversial, but then, it, you know, football courts happen like this, but then it comes down to corruption and accusations and stuff. Have some proper, you know, proof to, to back this type of things up instead of just coming out and just, you know, calling corruption and whatnot. It's uh, it's plagued our game for so many years now. It's It's really sad. And Unfortunately, we just, we just can't seem to move forward. It's always around this type of stigma when, when uh, you know, we have a slightly controversial derby, a derby loss for any team.
2: Yeah, and I, I think the big thing is, you know, you see in England even like these ref mistakes get questioned and people are just like, okay, it was a bad ref, it was a bad VAR. Yeah. But here immediately, it's like someone's on the payroll and a lot of these ga- we we've done everything we've got var we've got foreign refs we have we've paid mark Klattenberg a bucket load of money to come here from saudi arabia or whatever to be the thing i don't know if you've seen the things he does weekly where he goes over every controversial call and explains the decision like what else needs to be done in greek football to try and spew off these corruption rumors you know like i, I felt like we were making progress with the the var even though it kind of sucks not going to lie but With with the foreign refs, you know, at least it's not like, oh, this guy's on the payroll, he's a Greek guy, you know. It's just, it's like some random guy from the Netherlands. He doesn't care at all about Pauk or Adis, you know. Like, what what are you trying to tell him? I don't know, it's just a mess.
1: I I think until we get, it's just a big call. Look, but I just think the people we have in the game in Greece and in big positions at clubs like Pauk, Ayek, Olympiakos, Bansanekos, even Aris, they're just so invested in this culture of, point the finger, blaming people, never taking ownership of their own team's mistakes. Now, we spoke about this game on the Hellas Football podcast. Okay, so the Addis penalty was pretty 50-50. Anyone can argue that it's not a penalty, and it probably wasn't. But at the same time, a lot of refs would give that as a penalty. The bulk penalty with Jolis is not a penalty, in my opinion, and it's a dive. There was an incident at the end of the game, which is probably what bulk is probably more going off about, where bulk probably should have been given a penalty. Um, but, you know, it's all about, you know, a penalty and being given or not given. At the end of the day, your team didn't score a goal. We should be focusing on that and getting their team to play better. Uh, and this isn't just for ball. This is, I guess, for Greek football in, in general. That team didn't score the goal that's going to give them the win or, or whatnot to make people happy. And so it goes back to this cultural thing in Greek football where it's about, you know, below the line, blaming, pointing the fingers, corruption this, corruption that, never looking at ourselves, taking ownership of it and making ourselves better to be better tomorrow for the next debut. So I don't know if it ever is, is ever going to change, which is probably the saddest thing of all.
2: I, I just agree so much. Like it's it's culture, like if you can't score an open play, it shouldn't come down to these penalties. And that's the problem. Like if you can't score an open play, that's it. Like we, we shouldn't even be talking about penalties, about the penalties in the game. Klattenberg released his video, like his weekly thing he always does on um, Tuesday afternoons at, after the end of the week. And he rightly said the first penalty given to Hadi's was extremely close. And he said, like, some referees give it, some don't. And that's why we can't overturn it with VAR because it was so close. Like, you just have to go with the decision on the field. And he reiterated, like, we have to say that that was a really tough decision. And we tried our best, but we left it to the field. And then the Zolis one, he said, also was a dive and that he got the ball. I know some people are saying, like, Zolis got fouled earlier. I think Klattenberg said the ref, like, played advantage or something. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 and so... He did, yeah. And so that was the situation, but then he got booked because it was a clear dive. For the final one, Klattenberg said the ref sh- like could have gone to VAR for that, but he said the VAR would have seen that there was a foul on the goalkeeper. And then even after the foul on the goalkeeper, the ball hit a Pauk player's hand before an Aris player. So he said the one mistake is that he blew the ends of the game when he could have gone to VAR, but he said VAR would have shown that it was a foul on Pauk. And oh. so it wouldn't have changed the result. So interesting, like, I really like those video reviews from him, and I think their progress, even though, like, Mark Kladenberg, we've had problems with him, and, like, oh, what is this offside against Bastianina, whatever. But, like, that is so helpful, just taking a step back from a third party. Like, it's nice having him say those things, even if we don't agree with him all the time.
0: And I think also that's, that's sort of the difference, right? He literally spelled it out you know, I hope people don't listen to this and think, oh, you guys were just complaining about the refs in Marseille and in Porto and all this stuff because uh, we were complaining about the refs, but we brought the damn handbook on the podcast and went through it just like Mark Clattenberg went through his decisions and we picked out things where it's clear and here it's not as clear. And even if the refs are bad, like as we said already, how is it that a foreign ref maybe makes a, a mistake or a bad call and the first reflex is corruption? This guy's in Olympiakos's pocket. He's in somebody's pocket. He's getting paid off. Like, as you said, this guy doesn't care. And as you said, Greg, it really does just start at the top with all of these big clubs. They're more willing to point the finger and blame things on somebody else than accept the blame as themselves or as their club. We didn't score an open play. Like, that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. So... You know, don't want to drone on about this too much. We've got a lot of other stuff to talk about, but it's certainly an interesting story and it's worth bringing up. We just want to stop having to talk about this stuff. We want this stuff to end in Greek football.
2: Yeah, and honestly, this is a plea to you guys over at the Hellas Footy Pod. You guys are, like, pretty neutral. You got fans from everywhere. Like, a big discussion on this would be so nice from you guys because you have so many different voices and so many different fans. If you guys could, like, read the statements and go into it because, like, hearing all you different guys' point of view, we may be accused because we're already biakos, but... You guys have more of like a broad base, I guess. So it'd be nice to hear
1: you guys talk about it. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. You know, now that these podcasts are happening, we've got a lot of Omorganese Greeks from abroad sort of talking Greek football and you know, it's a similar theme. You know, we, we, we really want to see the culture over there and the, just the brainpower, be able to be more advanced and thinking about tomorrow instead of being stuck in that same old. So again, whether that's ever going to happen, I don't. it's just things that I've experienced 20 years ago that I thought, by 2020, it would probably be, you know, smarter and doing things better. In some ways, we have, but when it comes to this stuff, this hasn't changed at all.
0: Well, we'll see where we're at in 2040, I guess, huh?
1: Maybe
0: <laughs> by then. Um, anyway, let's move on, and uh, we'll get into your team, Greg. We'll get into Ike. I do want to start off first by discussing how Europa League went. Ike made a lot of transfers this summer. We've talked, uh, even with you, about how, you know, I thought they, they made pretty good business in general. They brought in some really nice players. They addressed some areas of need, bringing in a couple defenders. Levi Garcia, we thought was a good signing. Kareem Ansari-Fard coming back to Greece. Provides some extra oomph in attack. The Europa League campaign might not have gone as desired, although it was a very tough group for Ike. They played against some difficult opponents in Leicester City and Braga. Obviously, I think the most forgettable result is that defeat to the Ukrainians, to Zorya Luhansk. But, you know, at the end of the day, it didn't affect whether Ike advanced to the round of 32 or not. I think the highlight would probably be the qualifiers uh, getting a result over a big, big club, a well-known club in Wolfsburg and also beating St. Gallen in Switzerland. Uh, You know, that's, that's a great result. Now that the European campaign is over for Ike, what, what were your overall thoughts? Uh, Were there things that surprised you? What did you see uh, from the campaign uh, overall?
1: Oh, look, it was an incredibly disappointing campaign. Uh, I remember talking with you guys about our transfers. Uh, in attack, it's not so bad. Like we um, Garcia has come on and Tankovic, they've both been really good. Uh, Shankov has been a, a huge part of our team in, in the midfield as well. And I remember talking about a Romanian guy at the time when I spoke to you guys, which was mm-hmm. Nadele Scaru. He has probably been probably our best better defender in a group that's pretty ordinary right now after the Wolfsburg qualifier I probably did not expect us to have such an a a terrible European campaign this has probably been look we've had some poor campaigns lately um but we've had you know some tough opponents and some tough draws and losses in those games whereas this campaign was just it was to be honest the word embarrassing is coming to mind because you know Zorya the, the Ukrainian team to get hammered by them in Athens was just um and a game where we thought, you know, if we win this game, we have a slight chance. But we got hammered by them. We got, you know, Braga easily beat us in both games. And, you know, as a supporter of Ike for so long, to watch us um, be comfortably beaten by Portuguese opponents was was not easy. But, you know, credit to Braga. They were so much better than what I was expecting. Uh, credit yeah. to them. They're sharp, quick, a, a gameplay that, uh, that we couldn't match. At the same time, when you looked at some of the guys we caught from them, we weren't that bad. But we had defenders like Bakakis especially who had just got annihilated in these games uh I think it's Galiano the Brazilian guy yeah
0: we were saying he could come play in red and white for all I care he's he's (laughs) a hell of a player
1: hell of a player he's he'll probably be out of Portugal soon I reckon um he was he was phenomenal um but Bakakis on the other hand was incredibly bad he hasn't been the same since his injury um and they scored three goals pretty much from his side where he couldn't defend it um and then we've got There's another guy, the Tunisian International, we bought, Knid. We had only just bought when I first spoke with you guys. He is definitely not proven to be uh, a strong signing that we thought he was. And um, I've mentioned Svarnas a fair bit in my blogs and my articles, and I think I've mentioned it with you guys.
0: Yeah, 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 because we talked about you, and and you were a lot uh, more negative on Svarnas than we were. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we'd seen him play really well earlier on in the season. But, you know, I think... uh, the more the more we've seen of him, the more uh, you have proven to be right. I think he's he's sort of faded a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, but it's actually it's it's quite unbelievable. He's he's really gotten he's gotten his, his mistakes are becoming way more obvious. In Leicester, he had a terrible game. Uh, he had a poor game the Leicester away game as well. He got caught out there, and even then the bowling game on the weekend, he he had you know a pretty ordinary game there and let some goals in. So transfer wise, we've done okay in terms of the, the the front part of the field and even in the midfield, but our defense. We desperately need a good centre back um, because, and then uh, Zvartnotsyanid and Nedeliskaru. We've had games we've had all three play at the back, and we still let in uh, pretty simple goals. I, I mentioned on the other podcasts, if you look at most of the AAC goals, most of the goals we cop that we concede um, are attacking players being unmarked. And for players at this level playing for Aik, it's just unbelievable that these guys can't properly mark players. And if you make a, a If a team puts a cross in and you make a deep run against Ike, if that ball comes to you, you're going to get a free header on it. So that's why I'm very worried for the game coming up tomorrow.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Watching both of the Leicester games, the scoreline, the final scoreline was not very ugly. But Leicester in both games got two goals so quickly, and not just two goals, but it was like, have they forgot how to defend? It made Ike look, look really poor. Um, on set pieces, you know, like you you perfectly said like it's like they don't know how to mark, and it's very odd. And then you know for the rest of that Leicester game, they didn't allow anything in the first game against Leicester. Ike even scored a goal, so I would say I would agree with you. I think the defense is definitely the biggest uh, the biggest point of improvement for this Ike team. If you look at the European campaign as a whole, Ike only won fifty percent of their defensive duels. So basically, if a player you know came in an Ike. Mm -hmm. defender or, you know, someone uh, on defense, they would get by them half the time. Uh, You know, uh, we talk about how for Olympiacos, you know, our players are usually significantly above half, uh, especially the center backs who are, you know, the ones getting the most of the defensive duels. So that seems like a point of improvement for me. Uh, Opponents are getting about 13 shots per game uh, in the Europa League group stage and qualifiers against Ike, and about 44% of them are on target getting shots on target is obviously a very big deal, and teams are doing so very efficiently. Ike, with their possession, they're only getting 35% of their shots on target. And the Ike attack wasn't even that horrible. As we've talked about, they brought in some good players. Of course, uh, Garcia was out for a little bit, but they have still brought in some good players. So I think the defense is definitely, you know, the the need for improvement there. And yeah, Bakakis has been a bit shocking, as Lambro would say, since he's recovered from injury, you know, they've got Vasil Antonopoulos as well, but, you know, he's a younger player, maybe not as proven, he's not as big, so he might have trouble with some attackers, but I think that's definitely a point where you, where Ike needs to improve.
2: When you look at Ike, you know when they give out those squad lists where it's like defender, goalkeeper, defender, midfield, forward, you cover up like defender and goalkeeper and you're like, oh, wow, this Ike team is pretty good. And then you get to the defenders and it's just terrible. And I know uh, Masartic, who we had a long time ago, rated Chitotas, rated him quite oh, highly. Yes. He's been shocking this season, too, from what I've seen. Like, he hasn't been so good either. And he was highlighted as maybe the replacement of Barca's. So he would do good. And, yeah, just also your guys' fullbacks are poor, you know. in Sua, I always thought, was a decent player. Panathinaikos, And he's been awful this season as well. Helder Lopez has been around forever, and it's never been clear. Is he a winger? Is he a wing back? And now that Pakakis has taken a step back, it's just like you're in trouble. I don't know. I've seen rumours that Voranias may come back. I don't know
1: what you well, think we hope about Well, we have Voranias does come back. Uh, that'll be good if he comes back because yeah. uh, he would definitely lead this group that's that's there. Even though even his form was a bit inconsistent. So, you know, really with Ivic as technical director, I would have thought we'd be able to find someone, uh, a couple more guys that are really, really good. But uh, the, the problem is also... Not only other center backs struggling, our wing backs are struggling as well. You know, I think I mentioned on your, when we spoke the first time how excited I was that in suicide with Ike, but he is definitely not, um, in defensive ways, he's been so ordinary. Lopez, um, he hasn't been the same since an injury he had about a year and a half ago, so he's been up and down. We've we've played a, a young fellow, a 17 year old, God, Mitage, uh, he came from our academy, he's an Albanian kid mm-hmm. who's actually been doing okay. Um, Vasil unfortunately, he's not in the squad for the game tomorrow, to my surprise. And he's actually 28, believe it or not. He looks 18, but he's 28. But for me, he's been doing way better than Bakakis. So I believe, um, I'm pretty sure Polinio is going to start left back in the game against Olympiacos. If Bakakis starts, it's going to be a long afternoon for Ajax.
0: Lazar Andrzejewicz is going to have his eyes wide. <laughs> you know, yes. with, if Bakakis is in the starting lineup, that man hasn't gotten remotely close to scoring a goal since the last uh, meetup between Olympiakos and Ike. But anyway, that's that's the discussion on the personnel for Europe. You know, the midfield has been good, obviously. Uh, Simoes is a top midfielder um, as far as Greek teams go. We've talked about uh, there's a, a case for him being the best defensive midfielder in all of the Super League. You know, they have a lot of uh, firepower and attack, especially some of the players they brought in have done well. But Looking at uh, the manager, Carrera, Greg, if you were to give Carrera a letter grade, you know, A to F, uh, for the European campaign overall, this is usually something that after Olympiacos games, we give Pedro Martins a letter grade for how he managed the game. You know, obviously, given the players that he had at his disposal, tactics, substitutions, things like this, what would you say for Carrera overall? Do you think it's a case if he could have done more, or do you think, given the the subpar players he had, in defense, it's just the best that you can do with those players.
1: I'd definitely give him a D. Uh, we were uh, when we went we went away to Zoria in, in Ukraine, and we had the assistant coach um, coaching us. Then he put out a pretty good uh, attacking uh, lineup out there. And we won four one, and then we came back to Athens, and, and I'll never forget the lineup that Carrera put up. He put up um, five defenders, four defensive midfielders, something like that, with just two attacking players in the whole lineup. To uh, to my absolute amazement in a game that we were hoping to sort of continue our form from Ukraine and sort of have some hope of uh, to making the, the Braga game quite interesting, um, and we got hammered three 0 in Athens, which is one of the most embarrassing and disgusting A results in Europe. Definitely the one from the ones that I've witnessed, I think that's probably the most embarrassing ever. And I've been following A since the early early nineties, uh, and um, there's you know we're starting to question his uh, the mentalities with Carrera, you know, a defender that had his career, how these guys, our defense is having these issues, Even like, but it's basic stuff. We're talking marking marking a bloody player. Um, I would have really thought, you know, I mentioned about the marking, uh, how poor it is about four weeks ago initially, and to see it even to the game with ball on the weekend still existing like that. I don't know how a coach like Carrera can keep seeing this himself. And, and, and I don't know if they're doing anything about it in training, but that's crazy. Um, but to see such lackluster performances, even the game in Leicester, that was hard to watch. That was a Leicester B team running ragged against our team. That's in, in bat- mm-hmm. like That's so hard to watch from an ike fan, especially after, you know, so many European campaigns where we've matched, you know, we've, we've put in good fights against uh, the best clubs in, the, in Europe. Um, and then to watch us get raggedly run by a Leicester B team and Braga coming to Athens and just pulling us apart four goals there, that's it's inexcusable for ike That's just... That's just not what we're about, and so for me, it's a, it's a huge a day, day for uh, Carrera who's just been hasn't been too impressive uh, this season at all.
2: Is he on the slippery slope if he loses this Derby not close or even loses it close? as will there be people calling for him to go soon? Is that something you can foresee yeah, after? Yeah,
1: the fans, yeah. Uh, a lot of the fans in Greece, especially, are already are already calling for his head. Um, if uh, depending on how we sort of what type of um, performance we put out. I can't see us winning this game, but depending on, you know, what type of fight we've put in, if it's another Leicester game, for example, where, and, uh, where Olympiakos are taking us all game and we've just got uh, not much to, uh, to offer back, then I can't see him lasting too much longer. If we put up a good fight and... Because um, the thing, it's going to be a really good test fight. We've been pretty decent against the mid-table Greek teams, but as soon as we've played, you know, European teams or we haven't really had a proper test in Greece for a while now, actually... So, um, it's going to be a good test to see how we go against, you know, the strongest Greek opposition in Olympiakos and what type of fight we put up. Being in Athens and, you know, the, the reports are obviously we want to go for the win and he's really thinking about what he's going to play out there. But, you know, even if you, know, if you start starting Garou, and Knid, you're talking to these, you know, you're putting them aside and you're saying to them, you guys need to have the game of your lives and you need to prove why you're going to be in the 11 come the new year before the transfer season. You got to put some pressure on these guys. You got to get these guys to play game of their lives in this game. If, if we go out then Svarnas has his usual casual crap game, then ah, that's just not good enough from him, but it's not good enough from Kuro to then have him out the next week as well.
0: Totally agree. It's, uh, you know, you hope that Svarnas as a young Greek player knows what this game means and maybe that will inspire him to do better, but yeah, the lineups, like you would expect Ike with all the attacking players they have to maybe, you know, use some of them a little bit more and, and be more attacking. And it is also very odd that a, a coach like Carrera doesn't seem to know how to mark properly, which um you know is a big issue. But you know, we sort of you sort of mentioned it already, but segueing into the super league, Ike are currently sitting fourth on the table. Uh they have a game in hand, which is the game tomorrow on Palk and Addis. If they beat us tomorrow, Ike will go up to third ahead of Palk and they will still sit uh, a few points behind Aris and Olympiakos. Obviously, it's a bit easier for Ike to get results, you know, against these uh, smaller teams in Greece. But even against Apollon Smyrnis over the weekend, it was a bit of a shaky one, a 4-3 victory. You probably don't want to be conceding uh, three goals to Apollon Smyrnis, who have just been promoted. You know, as you've said, the the Ike team has not had a big test in a while. There was, of course, the Panathinaikos game, which Ike lost 2-1. There was the 1-1 draw with Pauk, I think, way back, but they still haven't played Adis and they still haven't played us in the league. Obviously, there was the cup final, which was a mess and technically counts as last season. If you look at Ike's stats for the league, it is a bit better. Uh, I mentioned that in Europe, almost half of the shots that other teams were uh, attempting at Ike were getting on target. For Ike, in the league, they're averaging 11.4 shots per game, and 48.2% of them are hitting the target. So that's an even better rate than their opponents in Europe. And if we look at positional attacks, so basically scoring in open play, um, how often do their positional attacks lead to a shot? 21.6% of the time for Ike, and the opponents are only averaging 16.1% of their positional attacks, leading to a shot. So that's a lot better for Ike in the league. Obviously, we expect that because it's better competition. But do you think Ike has, as a whole, played better in Greece than in Europe, given the competition? Or do you think it's just
1: been the same stuff with easier teams? We've definitely played better in Greece. Um, There's been a few games. You mentioned the Panathinaikos game, which I'll get to in a second. But in attack, we've been playing some pretty good football. You know, you've seen Garcia and Mandalos and Tankovic. And Sadifad you guys know one. Well, satisfied offers. He's just amazing. But uh, probably Dunkovic is the one player who I think, even in Europe and in Greece, has been consistent in both. But you know, we, we've been we've been um, against yeah again. I got to say, it's against the tables outside the top. The teams outside the top six, where we've been really good. I did forget to mention the Panathinaikos game, and uh, that was I think a game that probably epitomizes AEK at the moment. We could have probably copped four goals from Panathinaikos in the first half. So. Um, that's pretty scary when you think that we got Olympic course tomorrow, um, but then we actually we did hold some position. We're just going to penetrate a lot better. So um, uh, Europe, I think Europe, we just got we're outdone by fitter players, uh, sharper teams, um, and the defense really. We the other thing I think one of the things to we have to consider is, and you know, sorry to pick on the guy, but Bakakis' form has been really bad. He got used a lot in Europe and. I think their the opposition, the players just, uh, they wouldn't have expected it, but they got the better of him. And we cupped a lot of goals that came from that right-hand side. So, um, again, I really don't want to see Bakakis start against Olympiacos.
2: This is probably not the time or place, but God, just thinking in a national team that we're now talking about, Bakakis and Swarnass, and that's like two-fourths of our back line right there. That's like a secure section. March 25th against Spain is going to be so ugly. I feel like whenever we talk about Svarnas, I'm getting so worried for that coming up. And Look, simply put, those...
1: these, these two yeah. cannot be in the national team. They cannot be anywhere near, especially, I wouldn't even say, even against Spain, even against any team, these two, Bakakis and Svarnas, should not be anywhere near the national team. If, if John Van Schip, and I've been pretty kind to him, if he puts these guys in there and they get anywhere near the starting 11, you're going to see me have a very different uh, spin on John Van Schip.
2: Also, yeah, just with Stafi Lidis and Savelas, that's the back line coming <laughs> um, up now. <laughs> we'll I can get hear into Michael Vecini already
0: <laughs> on the <Yeah>. <laughs> podcast when that, when that game rolls around. Um, oh. Greg, if you were to give Carrera a grade, if you were to grade him just solely based on the Super League season, would
1: you be more kind than a D? Yeah, um, Super League-wise, I'd probably go C, C+. Uh, and that's... That's coming, especially look. We've been good in those uh, the other games, but even against Apollon. I knew that whole game was going to be a derby because of the way our defence is. So, but we won the game. So that's where. But then the game against Panathinaikos, um, we could have been four goals down in the first half. Um, his, the other part that really worries me about Carrera is um, is some of his substitutions. When we first got Carrera, we were quite excited that he's kind of got a plan B, a plan C when plan A is not working. But that's starting to get a little bit scary now. We've we've played several formations and I don't I don't know if that's actually done us good or bad and unsettled the team a little bit. And there's also talk about, you know, are, are the players getting, is he getting the most out of the players, which is another big worry. Um, so, you know, whilst at times we've played some good football, we've had times where we've played, we've seen signs of... Um, Uh, of of a huge worry. And we haven't clipped a clean sheet even in Greece since Lamia, Mm -hmm. which is on the 29th of September. Um, So there's a whole bunch of things um, that are quite worrying. Uh, You know, we'll probably have to see what type of transfers happen in January and what type of players Ivic start looking for, especially in defence, that's going to make some things up. Um, But sometimes, you know, when he's doing some substitutions towards the end of a game where he's putting in defensive players on, you know, when we're cruising for a game and then we're getting more defensive, uh, that type of stuff is just a bit we're worried about the mentality. If you get a goal, you, you really, you, you know, the Italian style, try and defend it for all, at all costs. So, yeah, look, uh, the, next, the next month or two is going to be a huge month for Ike and Carrera's future. So, tomorrow's game is going to be quite interesting in the sense of what I can offer uh, in this game to sort of uh, keep up right happening.
0: Well, that leads me perfectly into my next question. Uh, with the transfer window coming up, what's your wish list for Ike? We obviously, you know, thinking about the defense. I don't necessarily know if there's any actual names on your list, you know, if there's been any links popping up, but where do you want to see Ike make replacements? You know, are you just thinking, like, bring in an entire new back line or maybe Nidal Siaru can stay in? You know, do you think that the rest of the team needs any replacement?
1: Vranjes and maybe another, probably even two centre-backs. Uh, our centre-back situation is really bad. Like, you know, Zvarnas, uh, you know, very poor Knid, very poor. Nidal Skaru's probably shown some. Some promise. Then you got Shigurinski, who's 33 years old, always getting injured. Um, so you need more defenders than they. Vranjes has been one name that's been coming popping up. We haven't had too many other names pop up at the moment, too early. But um, I would take you know any form of decent. There's actually a Greek guy, Greek Swiss guy at St Gallen. Um, I think it's Leonidas or Sterio or something like that. Sterio. That's it. Um, <clears throat> he was fantastic in the games we had against them. I would love to see him come to Ake if that's even possible. Um, but that's one thing that definitely shuts out you know if uh, Papastathopoulos is still playing at the, the under 23s in Arsenal why not bring uh, obviously his wage demands would be huge um, but that wouldn't be a, a bad way of getting getting him some game time and getting him you know back into shape um, but we also probably need to look at a right back in Sua and Lopez are left back they've both been pretty ordinary but you could probably you know if we were to bring someone else in that wouldn't be too bad but also a goalkeeper at Chichondas He started off really good, but he's been inconsistent. In the big games especially, he's been getting caught out. So um, uh, they're the three positions, the the right back, center backs, and goalkeeper, which is what I'd be looking for to get into the squad to make it a lot stronger going forward.
0: One player I want to ask about as well is Galanopoulos. I think last time we talked, he was just starting to be reintegrated into the team. Now we're seeing him more regularly be subbed on for, you know, maybe 30 to 20-minute appearances both in Europe and in the league. I think he scored a goal a couple of weeks back and, uh, you know, I saw something about him being very emotional in the interview. It's been a long road back for him. Uh, he's a player we've talked about as potentially being really valuable for the Greek national team and also for Ike, of course. So what have you seen from him? Do you think he's getting back to uh, his, his form before he got hurt? Do you think he'll eventually maybe grow into a bigger role for Ike and then also for the Ethniki?
1: Yeah, uh, he's starting to pick up that form again. He's he's been put, he's been introduced to the squad slowly, slowly. Um, but he's shown he's shown that form that we we saw from him before the injuries, which is great. So, uh, more from him, I think. We he he will need to be, start getting involved in that I think he's set up in the near future. Um, uh, but he's been good. Uh, him in Samoa, Samoa especially has been amazing. So Galanopoulos starting to show the form that we all uh, expected from him. Uh, one player that hasn't featured for which we desperately probably need to start featuring is Damien Simanski. Uh, he was a machine last year, running up and down nonstop, going forward, which is what him and Galanopoulos uh, offer to teams. They, they don't just sit deep, they actually get forward and uh, put pressure on the opposition. So um, I'll be surprised if he gets any game time against Olympiakos. But if Simansky can come back as well and we can get Galanopoulos playing regularly, that could change our team a fair bit and make us a lot stronger.
0: Well, we love to hear that about Galanopoulos. Let's get into Olympiacos specifically into today's game. Uh, we're going to just go, go around and we're all going to give predictions. Um, but I want to hear from you first, Greg, just first off about the Ike lineup. Um, you talked about if Bakakis is in the team, you know, it's going to be a rough one. But what do you want to see from the Ike lineup uh, in terms of formation and personnel? And then what do you think Carrera will actually end up doing?
1: Um, I personally want to see a, a 4-2-3-1 for this game. We've done the three-five-two a fair bit, where you play Nadaliskaru, Svarnas and Knid in these type of games because uh, we could be put under pressure. But um, I just I don't rate Knid I don't rate Knid and Svarnas at all. So um, we generally play better under a four-three-two-one. I'm expecting to see Polinio starting at uh, right back instead of Bakakis, and I think we're probably going to see Insua. I don't know the, the the left back for us. It could be anyone. Anyway. It could be Lopez. It could be Insua. It could uh, one of those two, maybe Mitaj, but uh, I doubt it. He's too young. Uh, I, would, I would have actually loved to see Vasilantanopoulos at uh, right back, uh, but he's not in the squad. I, he, I'm not 100% sure. I don't I think he was injured, so that's that. Look, I'd love to see Samoas and Galanopoulos start um, in the centre midfield with Mandalos in front of them, uh, Tankovic and Garcia on the on the wings, and unsatified up front. That's my ideal lineup. I have a feeling we'll see a, a three-five-two. Though I think we're going to see three centre backs, Paulinho and probably In López on the on the wings. But up front, we should see the similar lineup with Mandalos, Dunkovic Garcia and Salifad. We'll probably see Levaya thrown in there somewhere as well. So that's what I'm expecting from Carrera. Um, but I really want to see a good fight from Mike. I want to see us go into this game strong and and uh, and put up a really good fight. And possibly we're, at the end of the day, we're for us to get a result, we're going to have to score at least two goals, I think. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, if you're an Ike fan, hopefully, uh, you know, a more attacking lineup, I think. And then, you know, just hope the defense sorts itself out. But it almost does seem like you're kind of ha- going to have to just uh, expect Olympiakos to-, to go ahead and get a couple goals. But we'll certainly see what happens. Uh, in terms of predicting the score, what do you think the score is going to be, Greg,
1: if you were to, you know give your take? Oh, it pains me to say, but I see a 3-1 win to Olympiacos, fortunately. with um, This defence, we nearly scored, we nearly copped four goals against uh, Panathinaikos and I hope to God I am proven wrong. Um, but Olympiacos's attack is the best attack in Greece by a long way. Um, and they, the Martins would have seen the videos of, of our defence and how, you, how it's not so hard to score against them. And, you know, I think your, your centre midfield, even Bukalakis, but if Kamara plays, for example, he's going to have a he'll have a pretty good game, I reckon. And Zitondas, the goalkeeper, he needs to he needs to have a good derby uh, and play really well and um, show his worth and why he should be number one goalkeeper at eight without you know without us hoping to ask for a replacement in January. So yeah, I think three one for Olympiakos, and I hope to God I'm proven wrong. Well, we'll have to
0: see. I think I'm going to say let's see. Olympiakos just beat Lamia six nil, but. Lamia are terrible and we played in a swamp so I don't really know how much uh, actual inference to draw from that game. Uh, I'm going to go off the top of my head and say 2-0 Olympiakos. In derbies Olympiakos have really not been that outstanding so far this year. Got a win against Panathinaikos 1-0 and then Addis, probably the next best team we've played or the best team we've played in the season it was a 2-1 victory. So I'll say 2-0. I'll say uh, El Arabi probably scores a goal, and then maybe Mari Camara scores one. I think if I were to be Pedro Martins, if I were to step foot inside of Pedro Martins and do my lineup, uh, I would probably throw out Holevas and Rafinha on the fullbacks, Semedo and Cissé, just because Cissé has been uh, a bit more fit recently. He's been playing more, and then obviously Saw in goal. I think I would want a midfield of Buhalakis, Kamara, and Fortunis, who just had a nice rest against Lamia, so he should be ready to go for the whole 90 minutes. Give Jan and a rest and go with a bit of a more attacking team, although Jan and did have a good game over the weekend. And then on the wings, I would like to see Masuras, Mario Vrusai, and El Arabi. I kind of fear that We might see Mvila and Bukadakis in the midfield together, which is a bit more stagnant. You're getting less in attack, but we'll have to see what happens. Lambro, it's time for your prediction. Who do you want to see in the lineup for Olympiacos, and then what do you think the final score is going to be against Ike?
2: So I am looking for a 3-1 victory. I would go for a 4-2-3-1 against Ike, like Greg said, for Ike. I would go with Sa under the net, uh, Rafinha, uh, Semedo, I don't know if he's completely healthy, but I just saw the squad list he's in, Semedo, um, Cissé, I guess, Olebas, midfield two of Envia, Camara, and then on the wings, I would go Vurusai, Fortunis, and then I guess Masuras, and then up top El Arabi, so pretty normal lineup for me, but I have a gut feeling we're going to say Rangelovic because of his history with Bakakis, so we'll see.
0: I mean, Ranjelovic against Bakakis, he's gotten the goals. Maybe we'll see another masterclass and he'll earn his way into the team for the next six months, just like he did last time against Ike. You know, can play well once and then do nothing good for the next 20 games, but still makes his way into the team. That seems to be how Lazar Ranjelovic goes. How's Vrsae going? Oh, he's been great. He's been very good. Uh, Lambro has, you know, been championing him for a very long time about how he needs to be included into the team. And, and Lombro mentioned on the last episode, you know, he'd been reading Dutch press about how well Rusai has been playing in the Netherlands last season. And, you know, he came in for the first time, I think it was against Manchester City when he made his uh, season debut yeah. and he immediately came on and dribbled past a couple Manchester City players. And we were all very excited about that. Um, I'm incredibly impressed by him in a team with so many new players who seem to take such a long time to fit in. Vrussi seems to just get it. He seems to be a very smart player. He knows what pass to make. He knows when to take defenders on and when to, you know, just sit back. I would say he got the game. He got the day off against Lamia or or I'm going to make the narrative that he got the day off uh, because I can't imagine someone actually wanting to play Lazar Ranjeevich over him uh, if you were actually trying to put your best team out there. But uh, against Porto... He was going up against a very good fullback in Zaidou Sanusi, a player that Olympiacos were linked with, um, and had probably his worst game, but still not a horrible game. No one really played well for us against Porto. So I've been really encouraged by him. I think he could eventually be getting his way back into the national team in the future soon, the way he's been playing for us. He's had a couple appearances for the U21s and you know didn't really do a whole lot. But for Olympiacos, he's he's really been great and hopefully can keep it up.
1: He might be a useful addition to that left side, the left midfield, the left wing in the national team.
0: He's played, you know, a little bit on both sides for Olympiacos, probably more on the right. Uh, Obviously, he's right-footed, but, you know, I think he could help. Um, You know, we have Masuras who plays on the left, but we always say it about Masuras. uh, He he can't seem to string two good games together. Um, He played rather well against Lamia, and and we're worried that now he's going to have a bit of a stinker against Ike. you know, in terms of, his technique in terms of getting shots on target and getting crosses that hit Olympiakos' heads in the box, it just seems like he can't string two good games together. He played very well against... Oh, Volos. He played very well against Volos. Yes. Porto was awful. Lamia very good. Ike <laughs> kind of expected to be poor, and then he'll play well against the Ladisa over
1: the weekend. Well, you guys have generally come out pretty strong against us, which is what... This is what... My, my worry is the first 10-20 uh, minutes... A lot of games with uh, Olympiacos, we've just um, you guys start really, really strong against us, and if you just do that tomorrow, like Panathinaikos did, that's going to be a huge. That first twenty minutes, if we can keep a clean sheet, uh, then it's probably game on. But I mean, you've, if you've seen eight games, especially some of the European games, uh, any time we come to a counter attack with these defenders, we were, you know, it was a, it was a risk of, of conceding a goal. So uh, that's why I hope Simoes is at least starting for eight because Kristic and Shankov. They've done an okay job, but they're not big runners. They're not very quick. So we need uh, someone like a Simoes or a Galanopoulos um, to be able to sort of come back and help the defenders. So uh, keep an eye out for that in those first 20 minutes in that in tomorrow's game.
0: Simoes really does it all. Greg, that about wraps up our content for the day. Uh, we want to say thank you so much for coming on. And we also want to give you the opportunity to uh, let the listeners know where they can keep up with you. You obviously have the LS Football podcast, which is going strong with weekly episodes covering all facets of the Greek Super League and Greek football. So, uh, where can the listeners keep up with that, or and where can they follow you?
1: Uh, at the moment, purely on Hellas Football, and most you know, on Twitter as well, and uh, at Greg Valles. Um Obviously, some, always some interesting tweets. I've been able to, um, I've been just looking at some AIC lists and AIC uh, things before a lot of games, so I've been tweeting. My good and bad feelings before certain games, so keep an eye out on Twitter for that. If you're, especially if you're looking for some like results, um, we've got a a, a nice uh, piece about Nini's coming out today on Hellas Football on Twitter. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Um, but pretty much there, and on the Hellas Footy Pods, uh, where we talk uh, all things Greek football and predictions there about the Super League, and you know a lot of the national team stuff. This we got a huge, as you guys know, it was like going to be a huge. A huge year next year for the national team so um, I've got plenty to say about that like I said I've been pretty pretty kind to John Van Schip, Um, but it's time for him to um, to learn from his mistakes uh, otherwise uh, the knives may be coming out.
0: Well it's very brave of you to continue talking about the national team because we especially Lambro really struggle to do it so <laughs> we appreciate that some people are maybe a bit less pessimistic than we are about things and you know take it with the glass half full mentality we'll see what they can do when march rolls around and uh, we'll certainly be continuing to have conversation on social media as we always do with the ls football folks we'll have michael on this weekend so that should be really exciting should be a fun game against ike as well and uh we hope that the listeners all had enough time to catch this episode before the ike game started because obviously a lot of the content is pretty meaningless if the game has already finished but We do want to thank you all for listening either way especially if you've made it this far we will be back on monday december 21st with michael in the highly anticipated rant day episode that we've been advertising for almost a month now uh of course Olympiacos play larissa michael's team this weekend and uh we will see so hopefully a good game for both sides especially we just hope no massive ref controversies and uh we will see you very soon enjoy the game